Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to It Takes Two, the podcast where two people take two movies with the same plot or premise and watch and discuss them. And continuing on with the spooky season, it's Halloween part two. Not the movie, just the second part of our Halloween special. <laughs> the one, the episode that's coming out even closer to Halloween than yes, the previous Halloween exactly. episode. It's, it's the spooky month. Um, so, on this episode, we cover 1979, The Amityville Horror, and 1980, The Shining. Yep. So these are two movies based on 1977 books uh, that are about a family moving to a haunted, or, or a building where supernatural things are occurring, uh... And eventually accumulate with the father of the family attempting to murder the whole family with an axe. Yep, that happens to both those things. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very interesting to me that they both, that not only did the movies come out very close to each other, but the books they're based on both came out very close to each other. Which had you seen? I'd seen The Shining. You'd seen The Shining. And I'd seen half of the remake of the Amityville Horror. But the I'd never Ryan se- Reynolds one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd never seen the original one. Um, so it was interesting to watch it. Obviously, you know, I've, I felt like this with The Evil Dead, that there's like a different pacing to, to movies, and inc- especially horror movies, I think, from that era. Um, In what way? Just... I don't know. Um, They're more slow burn than yeah, like... definitely a lot more. You you can see, uh, for example, with The Shining, the kid who played um, Danny, Danny in it, whose name is also Danny, the actor. Um, they told him they were just filming a drama. Yeah. And I can understand how someone in one of these horror movies from that era, like, could believe that they're in a drama because it they do play out like a drama and then you know some things happen whereas um you know a lot of modern day horror it's jump scare jump scare jump scare jump scare yeah. <laughs> um so yeah so it's definitely i mean like when we watch the wicker man as well you know the wicker man has that real slow moving god the, the intense drama the the one with uh, Christopher Lee in it is so good. Yeah. Just. It's great. And that's also 70s horror. Yeah. So it's the same era. Um, so this would have come out, or, or both these films would have come out between that and Evil Dead. So we're sticking with that general era of horror. <laughs> we'll get into other eras. It's funny too, because so many Stephen King move, like books have been edited like, had movie adaptations. Yeah. And he dislikes a lot of them. Yeah, he hates The Shining. Yeah, he hates The Shining. And it's hilarious, because have you seen Maximum Overdrive? No. Okay. For, the, like, the three people who have ever seen, that are, like, what listening to this podcast who have seen Maximum Overdrive, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Because he was the one who took that movie to, to like, direct it. Right. And it is amazingly awful. Right. Well, this is like... Did, did he enjoy that one himself? 
I don't know. I think it was in his like cocaine era. Because I was gonna say was, like, like writing five hundred page books every six <laughs> weeks. <laughs> but around this time last year, we did um, uh, Rosencrantz Guildenstern are dead, yeah. which is a Tom Stoppard play, and Tom Stoppard was the one who adapted it, and he hates his own adaptation of it. Yeah. So I think it's just to a certain extent, and I mean definitely with The Shining. Um, from what I can tell, I haven't read the book, but it seems like Stanley Kubrick took a lot of liberties and really changed it for the movie. Yeah, um, from what I remember, the book more focuses around Danny being the main character rather yeah. than Jack. It it does feel, watching the movie though, I do feel that Danny is the main character. Yeah. Um, I know when people talk about it, like, as a concept... The idea is that Jack is the main character, but he's not. He's secondary. Danny yeah. is definitely the, the yeah. protagonist of that film. It's um, it's an interesting movie because so many people, like I, you know, we could sit here and basically plagiarize a bunch of other people's work and go over every single little detail and how like Stanley Kubrick did all these really amazing things and there's all these impossible shots and all this other stuff and mm -hmm. like oh at the same time you know the reason that was the room number was changed and danny's wearing an apollo shirt is because stanley kubrick helped fake the moon landing and all that other bullshit <laughs> and it's like no like it's that is one avenue we could go down, but I'm not going down yeah. with this. Well, like, apparently, and I, I didn't take much note of them, but apparently both of these movies had a whole load of myths around them, which are just straight up not true. Yeah. Um, To the point that I was like, there's not even any point in me really go going, going into yeah, yeah, yeah. depth with these because, like, it's just so many stories around the making of these films that just were outright lies. Yeah. The, the part... Early on in the Amityville horror that made me laugh out loud while we were watching it is, um, so it's obviously, you know, Amityville horror takes place in a house with a boat, boat dock, like a wet dock, which is like a, like a boat shed. Yeah, they got a boat shed. Uh, 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 a yeah. gardening shed that could be in like an entire house by itself mm -hmm. on this massive property with like... <sighs> So many bedrooms. I, I was trying to remember what you a, laughed at, and I know yeah, what it is. Yeah, a basement, an attic, like huge space on a river, and they're like, it's eighty thousand dollars. It's like, fuck yeah, off the like seventies. Four stories yeah, high. Yeah, fuck off the seventies. And they're like, I don't know if we can afford this. It might as well be eight hundred thousand. Yeah, I mean, like it's probably worth. Five million dollars. I was gonna eight million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably worth way more than that, like twenty million or something. It's the four-story house with that much land. It's also the fact that if what happened in that house actually happened, like so, the the plot of the beginning of the movie is that someone who lived there went crazy and gunned down his entire family during a thunderstorm. Yeah, so that did happen. Yeah, that's real. So if that happened. And then the family who moved into it because only white people ever move into like, oh my god, an entire Where family was brutally yeah, yeah, killed yeah. in this house? It's on sale, let's buy it and move our family in. Um, if that legitimately did happen, that is probably a tourist destination or a tourist hotel. Oh, you could turn that into like a, a freaky, freaky, you know, novelty place um, and rent out rooms at $1,000 a day. 
Well, the people who own it now, or I don't know at what point they did it, but they they changed how the house looked. Like the you know the the windows that look like creepy evil eyes. They took those out and put in like regular windows and stuff because so many people came to the house after the movie was made. <laughs> Even though the house in the movie isn't the house because they wanted to film at it and the town like the the, the whole government local government were like you are not filming in that house you're not ruining our only tourism yeah yeah so they went and found a similar house somewhere else and then renovated it to look exactly like it and then built up the they built the boat shed and the garden shed and stuff right so they spent a lot of money on on that stuff but um yeah, they weren't allowed to film in the real house. But one of those myths, like I was saying, was that like they didn't film in the real house because it was really haunted. <laughs> Spooky. Um, but basically, it's it's kind of generally accepted that, yes, those original murders did take place in that house, but that the family that this movie is based on made up all the paranormal stuff for just like as a PR stunt to get some money. To sell, to sell it as a book deal and as a right. movie and yeah. who who wrote the book? Uh, not not a member of the family. Uh, so is it like this is a this is a loosely based true story bullshit or is it like an actual? No, no, it's based on the account that the family gave. Right. So the so Jay Anson is a guy who wrote the book, but um. It was based on claims that the family actually made about what actually you know. So this is the family that moved in after the murders, not. The family that were murdered. Yeah. So the family. That, together, yeah. yeah. So the family that moved in after the murders really did leave the house after not very long being in there, but they went to like anyone who would listen to tell them about the spooky stuff that happened and how oh we were possessed and it almost made us kill each other, you know. Um, the real guy. Uh, the honestly. The most interesting thing researching the Amityville horror is the real guy who committed the real murders, because he he's dead now, but he only died two years ago. Wow. Um, while serving six consecutive life sentences, yeah. um, he every time he appealed it, he changed the story of what happened, every time. Right. Um, <laughs> like, and in bizarre ways. So, like, he initially claimed so with. The actual murder is weird. Um, he killed six members of his family. He killed his parents and four siblings. Right. Um, and all of them were found uh, lying face down in their beds with no sign of a struggle. And f uh, four out of the six, they were asleep. But there was no silencer on the gun. Right. So the question would be then, like, how did they not... Wake up. That's what I was thinking when the movie started, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he claimed initially that he sedated them all, but there were no... no the, sedatives. Yeah, yeah. No sedatives in their systems. Um, he went back at some point and claimed that actually his little sister... So they, they apparently four out of the six of them were asleep when they died. The other two, the mom and the sister, were awake right. when they died. But they were still found in their beds face down. Yeah. Um, but he claimed that the sister killed his dad and then the mom got so upset she killed all the children and right. then he killed the mom in self-defense. And then he later claimed that the sister killed all of them and he only killed her and it was an accident while they were fighting for the gun. 
even though, again, no signs of a struggle. Yeah, yeah. And then he also claimed that he was living in a different state at the time and had gotten married. He was 23 years old and his siblings were all younger. So he claimed he was in a different state and he'd gotten married and he was living with the woman and his mom had called him in a frenzy about something and he'd come back and found half the family murdered and, you know, and then killed sister or mom or whoever was still alive at the time. Um, and the woman who he claimed to, to be married to corroborated a story, but then later it turned out that they didn't get married until seven years after he went to jail or something. Okay. So... <laughs> It's all very strange. Um, he's changed. Like I think he initially put in a plea of insanity and said that the voices told him to kill them. Yeah. And then um, the reason he got all the life sentences was because they proved that actually he had um, like an antisocial personality disorder and was well aware of what he had done and did it intentionally. Right. Um, so it's like a whole weird thing, but he just kept appealing it and coming up with a totally different story about what happened every time. Look, I've been in jail. I've been thinking <laughs> about what happened. And, and actually... <laughs> what actually happened yeah. was this. And every time his appeals were denied. And in most cases, like, that you can find out about the judges were like, no, he's clearly fabricated this yeah, story. Yeah. So it's... I mean, the thing is that, like... It is mysterious in that we still don't know exactly what happened because I don't understand how he could kill six people in different rooms of a house with a with, with a, a rifle with a rifle with no silencer on it yeah. without them waking up. Cold suppressor, but yeah. Oh, okay, and without any of them struggling or anything. It's and he and no one heard the gunshots or anything. He went to the local. He went to the local bar. And was like, my family are all dead. Yeah. And then they called the police to go look. And then the police came to him in the bar and arrested him in the bar. Yeah. Which they reference in the movie. Because they say, oh, he was sitting right here when he was arrested. Um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So that was that moment in the, in, the, in the movie. Yeah, yeah. So it was weird. It's just weird. Um, but the story of the family who moved in afterwards, the Lutzes was originally, I think, published in, like, a, a tabloid or a magazine or something right. that they had gone to because they obviously were trying to sell the story and then they got this guy who wrote the book about it. Um, but the general consensus is that it's a complete fabrication. They made it up just to get some attention. Have you, do you know about David Bain? David Bain? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't know. Um, so... David Bain was a New Zealander who killed his entire family. Right. And got he was let out of prison uh, a couple of years ago because basically he didn't have a fair trial. Okay. Because everybody knew. Everybody knew. Right. Um, it's a very interesting story. And um, again, it just reminds me of, of all the stuff he did was like super weird afterwards. Mm. It's a whole thing you could go into talking about like people killing their family. Like it takes a real degenerate sick person to kill your family members. Like I can understand certain circumstances like the guy, I can't remember his name now, but he was supposed to be the second coming of Christ and um, uh, God's, God's children cult. I don't know it. It's the ones that d just um, had sex with 
underage people. Oh, gross. Yeah, and he murdered the shit out of his mum. And it kind of makes sense. Um, right, because he was indoctrinated in a cult from a young age. And molested a lot. Yeah. Um, as yes, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this guy, I mean, this guy had a personality disorder that obviously yeah. was not treated or, you know, he, he clearly didn't have any way to actually look after himself. It's not an excuse, yeah. but, it, but you could kind of go, okay, I can see how this might happen, I yeah. guess. Um, what a shame that there's someone, you know, in their 20s who's living with that and to an extent that they are violent and nothing has happened yeah. before. Yeah. So in the movie, though... Yes. Um, the house is evil because it was built by a man who escaped the Salem witch trials. Yep. And... Um, has, like, a weird portal to hell in the basement that was bricked up. Yep. And also... The ooze from the second Ghostbusters movie, <laughs> which is just concentrated evil because everybody in New York is a dick, so it just concentrates there. I like the second Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, so do I. Um, you know, no, we can't. We don't have time today. Watch tomorrow. <laughs> um, we'll just watch Ghostbusters tomorrow. Um, watch all four Ghostbusters movies. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, which one's the third one? Oh, I remember which the third one is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was... Seeing Daddy Brolin was yeah. interesting because I, compl- I forgot that James Brolin, Josh Brolin's dad, was in it. Also, Uncle Brolin, the uh, floating head downstairs and the picture in the newspaper of, of the, the killer. Yeah. Um, they wanted someone who looked very like James Brolin, and it turns out he has a brother oh, right. <laughs> who looks very like him. Didn't have a beard, though, so it's a fake beard on him. Right. But, um, yeah, so Daddy Brolin and Uncle Brolin were both in it. I, the, there's a sequence in the beginning of the movie where the family's playing outside, and the priest from the local parish arrives. So many Catholics in this movie. Yes. Yeah, like, their aunt is a nun for is no there, reason. Yeah. Well, there's a reason. Um, <laughs> and there's a sequence in a scary movie, and I'd completely forgotten this what it was referencing. It's James Woods, and it's it's mixed up with The Exorcist. Right. So he turns up, and, he, and he's like, oh, you know, we're going to perform an exorcism on the, on the girl. Mm-hmm. But he goes in the bathroom to take a dump, and that's where he's, like, struggling and sweating, and, <laughs> and like, the flies are all over him. Right. And I was like, oh, my God, I'd forgotten this was a reference to the Amityville horror. Because I hadn't seen, I haven't seen, like, Amityville horror since probably the 90s. Um, there's two bits of trivia about that sequence. For the first one is probably well known in horror circles. I don't know, which is that to get the flies to land on his head, they just like covered his head in honey. Makes sense. <laughs> or like and like sugary water. Yeah. But my favorite, my favorite piece of trivia about this movie is that the cinematographer has a phobia of insects. Oh no. <laughs> and yeah, they, they kept making him do like close-up shots of flies, and he couldn't look in the camera. <laughs> So, so much of that is him, like, pointing the camera at the flies and looking away, like, oh, God. I just can't imagine, like, <laughs> the dedication, though, of that cinematographer that he's, like, he's so scared, and he's like, I'm just going to point it at the flies and look the other way. <laughs> There's just so 
something great about that. <laughs> oh, poor guy. That must have been so scary, though, for him. If he's, like, proper phobic of insects. Because yeah. there were so many flies. Yeah. There's, like, a crazy amount of flies in that, in that movie, and in that scene especially. But, like, they kept you in close-ups of them. <laughs> the thing that I thought during that sequence is they were, either would have had to have bought flies. Yeah. Or got someone to birth a bunch of flies because you can do it. You just like right. hang meat in your backyard and then like harvest all the maggots and let them turn into pupa. Um, but just the con, like just like oh, we need a fly wrangler. Like, mm. oh yeah, this was. I knew there was more to that fact, which is that um, the the seeing the flies made him lose his appetite, so he lost thirty pounds filming the. Wow. The film. The cinematographer <laughs> lost 30 pounds because he couldn't eat because he was so scared of the flies. Wow. That's a lot of weight to this. Yeah. That's, I mean, that should be a new fad diet. Film a film with something so you're afraid it, of. It. Yeah. <laughs> and it's literally your job to film the thing you're afraid of. And you just don't want to eat. <laughs> Anybody who's uh, a phobia of clowns. Poor, poor guy. His like name is clown. Fred J. Camp. Well, well done for your dedication yeah. to doing yeah. your job. Wow. Just like, because I read that fact and I was like, oh, okay, but I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. That scene. And then when it comes up, I was like, oh, God, this guy. <laughs> There's a lot of close ups of flies. <laughs> Poor guy. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so a lot of Catholicism, a lot of Catholic Yeah. And, 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 and Amityville Horror, you've got. Uh, you know, being very important, they hung a crucifix on a wall at a certain point because it would look beautiful. You've got the priest coming over. She, the next she also day. had a whole statue of Mary. She yeah, had like she, a, she was like hand painting it as well. Yeah, it was like what maybe two and a half feet tall. Yeah. Thank you. Gotta have one of those in your house. But the the father wasn't the stepdad wasn't religious, from what I could tell. Right. Yeah. He he didn't give a shit, and she's like, "Yes, we're gonna have." Our crosses and our, our statues yeah, of the Virgin there's another, Mary. There's another Virgin Mary in her car. Right. In her, in her van. Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously her aunt is in... Was it her aunt or her sister? Well... Because she says to the kid, your aunt. And then when she sees her, she also calls her auntie, whatever. So... Yeah, but boy, don't you refer to a nun as a sister? Yeah. Well, she didn't call her sister. She called her auntie. Yeah. Confusing. So... I assume she is an actual relative, but I don't know whose aunt she is. Though she could be not a relative, I guess. Could be a friend of their parent, her parents or something. I don't know. Who knows? The kids were afraid of her because she pinched them. Um. <laughs> also, she walked in. Oh, yeah, that was the thing that like all of the Catholics... Well, except for her, because she is a Catholic. I guess all the people who... who are, you know, extensions of the Catholic Church, the priests and the nun, like, just walk into the house and get sick. Yeah. They just walk in, they're like, oh, I don't feel good. <laughs> like, I know the 70s were a different time, but still, like, I can't remember, there was a serial killer who did it. I just had, like, a, like, a momentary, like, glimpse back to something I used to, like, a really morbid fact I used to know. There was a serial killer who used to just walk around and open people's front doors. Because back in the day, people didn't lock their right. front doors. And anybody who, who had a locked front door, he was just like, oh, well, clearly they don't want me in their house murdering them, so I'm just going to move on to the next door neighbors. Yeah. 
And that's well, how he chose people. Well, that's like how axe murderers originally began, was they would just travel by train. Yeah. And they'd get off the train and be like, okay, just going to go into the first house that the doors open yeah. and kill all the family and then get back on the next train. And that was how they didn't realise they were serial killers for so long, was because they didn't... Because there would be individual sheriffs yeah. like looking after in different they didn't have like a crime database yeah yeah so they did and you know so the crimes were happening in different states and different cities and they had no idea that the other crimes were even happening never mind that they might be connected yeah and it was a long time before they realized oh these are all stops along this train line um talking about the all the religious people getting sick i suddenly remembered that when i saw the remake of the amityville horror I couldn't finish it because I got sick. So now I'm <laughs> now I'm wondering <laughs> was it was it haunted? Did I did I get haunted? <laughs> Just like projectile vomited and had to go home. Maybe. Weird. I hadn't thought about that until we were just talking about it, and then I was like, "Wait a second, I got sick." Yeah. Watching the Amityville Horror. Um. We'll see when we, you know, eventually we're probably going to have to do this film again with the remake. And we'll see if I get sick watching it that time. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving on. The Shining. The Shining, yeah. <laughs> most people have seen the movie. It's like the 75th most influential movie of all time. Mm. Um, it's uh, Stanley Kubrick's confession that he faked the moon landing. Um, that was one of the myths. That was a lie. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson's performance is absolutely fantastic and the movie wouldn't be the same without him. Well, Stephen King thinks it's awful and ruined the movie. Yeah, well, if you've ever read a Stephen King novel, um, <laughs> he, he's awful writer and ruins his own story. Here's, here's a question for you. Okay. Do... <laughs> so the movie is obviously about... So the, uh, the concept is... The boy's got the shining. Danny has the shining, which means that he can, like... It's the shining, don't you want to get Yeah, the shining. Yeah. Um, he can sense that he's got, like, it's like over-empathy, whatever. He can sense things that are going on. He can, he can see dead things, whatever. He, he can like, see dead people. He has, like, a psychic ability, essentially, kind yeah. of. Yeah, um, And the concept of this movie, in particular, and the book, I guess... Is that a place can have the shining, can have like a version of the shining, and that this hotel has a version of the shining, uh, which is what the the guy Halloran explains to him, and yeah. and it's the concept of the original book was just like what if a place was evil? That was yeah. that was the starting point for yeah. it. Yeah, it's a very strong Stephen King idea. Yeah. So the so the whole kind of crux of the movie is, Danny's got the shining. This hotel is with The Shining, and the hotel does not like Danny B in here. Yeah, it's perfectly fine with Nick, the guy who's the head chef. Yeah, that also doesn't... has the shining. I think it's because Danny's supposed to have like super strong shining, oh, right? Have you seen Doctor Sleep? No, I haven't. Doctor Sleep is really good, actually. Okay. You should watch that he's at some an, point. Um, he's an alpha level mutant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he's like super attuned to everything. Yeah. Um, and whatever his flavor of shining is, and the the. The uh, hotel's flavor shining I, don't I, match. I wish you could see what Lisa's doing with her hands <laughs> right now. It's but here is my question to you, going back to what I how we started this. Yeah. Do you think Jack has the shining? 
No, Jack is an alcoholic and a woman abuser, a child abuser, and a piece of shit human being. Yeah, that's all true. And the, um, in my opinion, if you're right about the whole shining trying to kill Danny because it doesn't trying to chew him up and spit him out. Yeah. Um, what does what does Ebenezer Scrooge say? You're a bad crumb of cheese. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's more of gravy than of grave about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the you know the the hotel resort that's built on an area, Indian burial ground in the in the mountains with a bunch of Indian art inside it doesn't like Danny, and then is trying to break his father into murdering them. Yeah, and because he's a recovering alcoholic, and the the way it appears to him. Is in the gold gold room, gold lounge, yeah. whatever it is, the the giant ballroom. Yeah. And of course, you know, for insurance reasons, the hotel takes the alcohol away. Yeah. Um, and he just goes in there. His entire like, okay, pause on what I was about to say. His entire motivation and what he does in in the him being, there's a rant, and he goes nuts at his wife, mm-hmm. and he's like, it's my responsibility, they leaned on me to look after this hotel, and it's my responsibility. He is not seen at one point in the entire movie, Doing pre anything. or a pro post him going crazy, yeah. him helping at any point. Yeah. He sleeps till 11, his wife makes him breakfast. He's like, oh, we should hang out later, but after I do work. And then screams at her when she brings him a sandwich. Yeah. Like, don't you fucking come in here while I'm working. And you, and it, like, he's not working on anything. He's just right, all, all fun. And, oh, what is it? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah. Over and over again in the mm-hmm. most creative, like, f- um, formats possible. Because it's like... Sucks to be whoever that prop master was that had to make all that shit. Yeah, yeah, no, they literally had someone type it all up by yeah. hand. And also, every time you hear him at the typewriter, they had recorded the sound of someone typing those words because yeah. they didn't want anyone to listen and be like, but it's not what he's typing. Yeah, it's like like um, how people used to be able to tell uh, based on tonal shift of what number you were typing Yeah. Um, on a phone. Um yeah, his motivations of being there is to work on a novel or, or some piece of literature he's writing. Yeah. Doesn't do any of that. No. Doesn't help out at all. No. It's all, all his wife's doing. Yeah. Um, do you want to annoy me about the wife situation? Sure. Really? I like Shelley Duvall in this movie. Yeah. Stephen King doesn't like how she is portrayed in the movie and didn't think Shelley Duvall was right for her at all. Right. Because Stanley Kubrick changed the character. Stephen King says that the portrayal of Wendy in the movie is misogynistic because all she does is stand around and scream. That's not true. Exactly. And his, from what I can tell, the version of her in the book and what um, his whole thing about her is that like the reason he's upset that she's just screaming all the time is that in the book, she's like a, an ex-cheerleader uh, who has never had a problem in her life and then suddenly is confronted with everything going to shit in this hotel. So he didn't like that they made her have like actual emotions or like act like someone who has been through 
anything in her life. But in my opinion, the description of her from Stephen King is more misogynistic than what we see in the movie. I mean, in the movie, she's like, she is the person actually doing the job and doing yeah. being a caretaker. And I get, like, misogynistic in world in the sense that Jack is being paid to do this and she's doing all the work. Yeah. But I don't think it's, I don't think filmmaking-wise the portrayal is misogynistic, if you, if you get what I mean. I think she's a real and relatively well-rounded character for a for a side character in a movie that's not really about her. Yeah, the the thing is, is that this the, it's a very famous thing that I that I'll mention because you know I'm a true fan like everybody else who's listening. Um, when Wendy the character is swinging the bat at the camera, yeah, it's Dan Lee Kubrick who mm-hmm. she's swinging it at, mm-hmm. and apparently he was like torturing, yeah, her yeah, hundred percent, and a piece of shit. Like, to get the performance out of her. Yeah. Um, she said that it was horrible and she'd never want to do it again, but she also doesn't regret it yeah. because she was trying to act as the woman at the end of her tether and that did put yeah. her at the end yeah, of her yeah, tether. Yeah. <laughs> it gave, it's method you know, acting. Yeah, yeah, it's method acting, but it's forced method acting, which yeah, I yeah. don't like, and I don't like when directors do that. We've talked about this with James Cameron before. I don't like it. Yeah, but it's no worse than what, like... The the in, the interviewing saying that in brackets that Megan Fox got for Transformers. Mm. Oh, I just turn up at my house and I'll interview you. Oh, you wash my car. That's your interview. Like Horrible. that's just as misogynistic as like. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this person just prints money. Yeah, I I don't I I wouldn't say. I mean, I don't know because I wasn't there. From what I've read, I don't think. Stanley Kubrick's treatment of Shelley Duvall was coming from a place of misogyny. I think he just treated everyone like that. Apparently he was great with Danny, the kid. He was like really protective of him and really lovely to him and just like always nice around him and like continued sending him Christmas cards every year, you know, Um, and they got on really well and he made his experience great. Yeah. Um, but he also <laughs> tortured Shelley Duvall. <laughs> and I think he was... But, like, all the adult actors seem to have a horrible time making that movie. Right. Um, because he's just um, apparently very well known for wanting to do multiple takes. And by multiple takes, I mean hundreds of takes. Right. To the point that, like, there's I'm a sorry scene... Well, yeah, yeah. There's a scene where Shelley Duvall is running up the stairs, I think, and they shot it so many times that she ran the equivalent of running the whole way up the Empire State Building. Um, That's bananas. One of the other actors, I think it was Scatman Crothers, um, was like basically driven mad by how many takes they had to do for all his scenes. The next film he did, I can't remember which film, I probably got it in my notes, I'll check later. Um, but the next film he did was directed by Clint Eastwood. And Clint Eastwood, as a director, has a reputation for taking the first take for everything. So he apparently... That's also terrible. So apparently he just, like, broke down crying on the set of the Clint Eastwood film because he was so relieved <laughs> after having done The Shining that he could do one take and be like, yeah, good job, you did it. And it's like, I did it? You don't want 170 more takes of this? <laughs> so um, back, back what I was saying. Yeah. 
That's how the hotel gets to Jack. Yeah. Because it's instantly playing on his weakness of being a shit person mm-hmm. and using an alcohol alcohol as a crutch. And the fact that he just accepts it. Hey, Lyle, give me, you know, give me an entire bottle of, like, bourbon. Leave the bottle. Yeah. How's your day going? I've got $60. Yeah, he really does just accept everything. Yeah. Very quickly. Um, well, I'll tell you my thoughts on it. Because uh, this isn't something I've really considered watching it before, but I think just because I'm trying to analyze it for the for the podcast. Um, when Halloran, that's his name, right? Dick Halloran, yeah. talks to Danny about The Shining, he talks about his grandmother having it and how yeah. it's hereditary. Yeah. Which would imply... That it skips generations. Well, it may be, but it would imply that, it, that Danny would have inherited it from someone. Yeah. Um... I think what we see with Wendy is what you would see with an ordinary person in the hotel, it's which is that it. she doesn't see any of it until it gets like totally ramped up to the max. Um, so you're saying that Jack's got it and he hit it by drinking alcohol? Yes, that is a theory. I had I did try to look it up and people fight over back and forth about this, but apparently there is precedent in. I don't know, one of the, like a sequel or something. I don't know if it was in Dr. Sleep, the, the novel or what, but there is precedent for um, <clears throat> using alcohol to suppress The Shining. Right. And this idea that Jack... First of all, because I think they also say in the movie even that sometimes people don't even know they have it. Yeah. So this idea that Jack maybe doesn't know he has it and has been an alcoholic for so many years that he's totally suppressed it. He's just stopped drinking, I think they said six months ago or something? Like, it was, it was recent yeah, in the film? Yeah, it was recent that he, like, dislocated Danny's arm? Yeah, he dislocated yeah. his shoulder. Um, yeah, I think they said it was something like six months ago. Like, it's, it's fairly recent at the point that the film starts, that he stopped drinking, and that he goes to this place that has... It's own shining. Yeah. And he is seeing stuff pretty much straight away. Yeah. Um, and he's not interacting with things the same way Danny is. I think Danny is very aware of his shining. Yeah. And he's obviously got a very strong shining. And it's obviously very opposed to whatever is going on in the hotel. Whereas I think if Jack has the shining, first of all, he didn't know about it. Second of all, he's accidentally hidden it for years, suppressed it for yeah. years. Thirdly, he, um, it's weaker than Danny's one, but also I think that because of who he is as a person and the kind of nastiness he has inside him, that he meshes in with the hotel. So rather than like Danny being like, you know, oh, opposite, opposite magna- yeah. magnets, he just kind of slots into what the hotel wants him to do. Yeah, it definitely feels like he's more like input than output. Like he's receiving the negative juju from the from the building. Yeah, and I just feel like that wouldn't work with an ordinary person. Because they talk about, obviously, the previous guy who killed his family. Yeah. But that was 10 years beforehand. Yeah. And every year in between that, they've had a different caretaker and there hasn't been any issues. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that this is happening every time they bring someone in. And it's not happening day to day with the people who are there, you know, on a normal basis. Yeah. Um, so there must be something that needs to be there. In the person, inherently, for the hotel to be able to do that, to control them like that. And I wonder, is it a form of The Shining? I tell you, 
from my point of view, mm-hmm. if I was in that situation, yeah, I think the disgusting decor would have made me go crazy and kill my family. <laughs> um, because it's so big, just go to one of the rooms that doesn't look like that. Even the carpet is horrible. <laughs> oh, I really love pink and gold mixed together. Are you high, Wendy? Um, room two three seven. Yeah. What did I say when when the camera pans into it? I don't remember. Like, oh my god, that's gauche. Oh yeah 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 yeah. It yeah. is orange, like burnt orange and lime green, and the floor is like purple and green. It looks like a bunch of clowns were cannibals and ate Kermit the Frog and then vomited. Like the carpets. Well, it wouldn't be cannibals to eat Kermit the Frog. They are. They're clown muppets. Clown muppets. You didn't specify muppets. Well, you just said I was, clowns. I was thinking muppets. Okay. Anyway. Because there are like the whole plot of the first Muppet movie is that people want to eat frogs. Yeah, they're called the French. Yeah. Um, they attacked New Zealand in nineteen eighty six. Oh God! Oh no! Turn <laughs> turn off the podcast now. Um. The. The clowns. Um. Yeah. Just everything about. The decor in that building is atrocious. Hmm. Um, regardless of like all the fake corridors and impossible rooms that Stanley put in was amazing cinematography. Like hmm. cinematography is amazing. Everything about the actual decor, the size, um, the weird little like uh, Adam Savage uh, brought this up because he remade it. Mm-hmm. Um, the hedge maze yeah. is completely different. The one, the model is different from what well, it looks it's like. What's actually and, out there, yeah. yeah. So Adam Savage, when he rebuilt the model of the hedge maze, had a lot of fun trying to figure out which friggin' one was real. Yeah. And I watched the entire thing, and it's now in the Stanley Kubrick Museum. I've like toured the world with his like collection. Hmm. Bunch of stuff from like 2001, which thankfully you've finally seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Yeah, everything about it is well done, but, like, it, there were certain scenes that just remind me of a thing as well. Mm. So, I think if we, like, were offered, what is it, May till October? Or was it October to May? It was October to May, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there would be, no. Oh, there's winter in America, because I keep forgetting yeah. how, how, how northern southern hemispheres work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we could handle it. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, I'll just bring a PS5 and a bunch of games that I've never played Platinum, and I'll just, like, Platinum Dark Souls and, and Demon Souls and, and um, Elden Ring. Oh, no, I've already done Dark Souls, so it had to be Elden Ring. Bring a whole lot of movies. Yeah. And just, like, I think... Even back then, we you know, we could have had VHS tapes or whatever. Yeah. Do we? Mm-hmm. Have any? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe, maybe the, the weird... The weird... <laughs> Suddenly, like, oh... The weird flammable tapes they had. Oh, yeah. Um you know, you know, people had like plug-in wall projectors back then. Mm. Um, You'd have something in a hotel. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, yeah, uh, like, watch whatever they have. The amount of food, like you're not going to starve to death, and there seems to be like a free-for-all, like eat as much as you want. Yeah. Which is hilarious when Jack is trapped in the uh, in the walk-in because he's just literally. Eat. Does what I would do, which is pass out on a bag of salt after <laughs> eating like several packets of like 
it's even turned to peanuts and, and Oreos. And Oreos, like. I have a head injury. I'm going to eat a bunch of sugary and salty <laughs> things and then have a nap. Like, that's brain health right there. Um, I did have a thought when we were watching it. I think it's inspired by the uh, previous episode we did, which is that The Shining really is just a Cabin in the Woods movie. Yeah. It's just a very elaborate cabin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's the same idea. Yeah. That they're, you know, they go to this remote place where they're all alone and there's weird paranormal stuff happens in it. Like, it's just a Cabin in the Woods movie. Amityville Horror isn't because it's, you know, they're in, in a, a town. Yeah, they're in a town. There's people around. There's, you know, people Can, I, can I point out, going back to the Amityville Horror, can I point out one thing? Mm-hmm. Despite the Catholics in that movie being you know, psychically or religiously, I don't know how religion works when it comes to defending yourself against, like, armoring yourself with God against the forces of evil. I don't know what you'd call that. Like a power level scaling. Your openness to to faith, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. Um, they do a really shit job of trying to contact the people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like... But also the demons in the house cut off the phone lines all the time. There um, are other ways to contact <laughs> people Which they do the in The Shining as well. The demons shut off no, the phone lines. No, it's the storm that does it. Um, the demons. Here's another question for you. Carolyn in the Amityville Horror, the one who like is like, we must go to the basement. There's something behind this wall. Yeah. Does she in The Shining? No, she's just like a crystal girl. She's just like done too much amethyst dust and now she's like in tune with the spirit world. She's like the psychic version of a horse girl. But she's like outside and can sense it. And it's just like, I must go inside. I must go to the basement. Yeah, she's just coming down. It was There's the something 60- in this wall. It's a gate to hell. It was the 70s. She's just coming down off something. <laughs> um, yeah, I know like the, the free love movement and all that sort of like era was then. But, you know, didn't actually make... Because it was like a resurgence in the occult stuff. Like, I think every movie in the 80s that was, like, a like kid's movie always had, like, some sort of mystical, like, the American Travelers, the, the like, the, the what, are, what are they called? The, the uh, fear, what were they called? You know, when the, when the circus turns up and oh, there's always right. someone, like, go looking into a crystal ball and giving you, like, bizarre things that'll come true. It was very, just a very error of that time. And I think it was just a resurgence of it. So, no, I don't think she's got The Shining. I think she's just done too much amethyst. She felt like she had The Shining. Yeah. Um, but then, like, why does it also affect just the true Catholics? Yeah, I don't know. I, it must be and it's, just it's, to re- do with, like, the sacrament they've made or the commitment they've made to God. Because the so idea... just sense evil. Well, <laughs> no, it's the other way around, I think. So the evil's trying to get them. Yeah, so what I think is happening is um, because priests, at least, and I believe nuns as well, the kind of idea is that rather than going through the sacrament of marriage, they essentially marry themselves to God. Um, So they are, like, speaking directly to God, etc., etc. So this, whatever is supposed to be in this house, because especially because they claim it's a gateway to hell later in the film, um rejects that it's like putting you know holy water on a zombie or whatever in in, in movies where that or you know media where that burns them i think that holy water really okay <laughs> maybe that's just in the thief games um but uh 
Yeah, so the, so I think it's that idea that, like, whatever evil is there is just, like, re- you know, it, because the house has this sentient evil in it, it's, like, pushing its antibodies against this holy thing that's come into it. Right. <laughs> Which, so they're not, because they're not really sensing it, they don't really know what's going on, but they're being, like, pushed out and told to leave, and they and they don't feel better until they're out of there and far away and have But they don't, because... The, the 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 priest has like got the stigmata and ends up with like flu like symptoms and then, and then he tries to kill the and then he yeah blinds them after it tries to kill them in the car. Mm. How did the house? Well, because they're trying to get back to the house, and at this point the house is now aware of him, so it's keeping tabs on him, I guess, from a distance. And I was like, no, no, don't let him come back here. It was, it was horrible when he was in here the first time. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. Yeah, but I, that's that's how I interpreted it. Is that like the house is just totally rejecting having this holy person come into, um, and they're not really. I think the priest gets it much more than the nun does. I think, and maybe because he was in there for longer as well, um, and he heard that voice, whereas the nun just is like suddenly feels sick. She's like, no, I need to go. I need to get out of here. Um, and doesn't really know why it's happening, but I think that's the idea, is that it's like just like, oh, God, put everything you can at this person, just get them out of here. What's the significance of 315? 314 is pi, but, like, yeah. what's 315? What do you mean? Because it's the time that the clock always gets... Oh, that's just the time that the murders happened, the original... Yeah, but then why does it, like... Why is the house choosing that time to affect people? Uh, Because... The people who lived in the house after the actual murder wanted to claim that whatever happened to him happened to them too, and that was the time he killed his family. Okay. So, it just but happens it, to be the time that the guy killed family. And then they were like, oh yeah, at that time every day for us too. We woke up and did weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't believe the Lutzes. <laughs> They're it does, liars. It does feel like an ambient sort of... It is a good movie. I enjoy the movie. Yeah, the movie's fine. But, like, the true story... The the true story, I don't believe, actually happened. They're part of it. Obviously, yeah. the other family were sadly slaughtered by their son. Slash brother. Well, that would be why. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, because obviously killed his siblings. In my mind, I was yeah. just like, oh, yeah, incest baby. Go <laughs> No. Son brother. The incest is in the other movie. Uncle Dad. Where um, where they have Jack Nicholson reading an article on how to not sleep with your child or something. Yeah, that was weird. Um, is there anything else you want to cover? I don't know how long we've been going for. Feels like a while. Uh, yeah, we're probably nearing the end of it. Um, I think... Do we want to... Comp- Similarity-wise, obviously, the kind of relatively sentient evil house... Slash, slash hotel. Yeah. Um, you know, you got the father who becomes starts to try to kill with an being, ex. Yeah. Obviously, in the Amityville Horror, he's stopped much sooner. Yeah. Um, and he like because he doesn't want to do. It. I don't think he's as in tune with it as obviously Jack is in in uh, it's, the outlook. It's very that. much like it's wearing outlook. them down rather than trying to like possess them and take over. Yeah, but it definitely is doing because him. With the axe, I don't think he knows what's going on. He just seems to be constantly, like, all about his axe life. Whereas... He's making... Yeah, but when he goes to... When he does the axe through the bathroom door, he's he's not 
comprehending that those are his kids in there because he doesn't he sees his wife as someone else at first and then he suddenly realizes oh shit that's my wife yeah. whereas Jack Nicholson doing the axe through the bathroom yeah, door <laughs> yeah <laughs> in a very similar scene is like hey I'm gonna come in there and I'm gonna kill you <laughs> um, and he wants to do that it's funny because like again you know, every other fan of the movie will know is that Jack Nicholson used to be a uh, a volunteer fireman, and they keep yes, busting down the doors I love that. too quickly. Yeah, yeah. So they they deliberately made doors that would be easy to break. Yeah. Because they were expecting just like regular actor, yeah. but he just like smashed through them instantly. Yeah. They were like, okay, we need to build stronger doors. <laughs> It's like, oh, we did not factor his, his volunteer fireman experience into this. Weather in both the movies is very important. Yeah, you got the blizzard, obviously, in The Shining, and then it's um, in the Amityville Horror, there's a storm the yeah. night of the murders, and there's a storm the night that they try to get, that the house tries to get him, to, um, George, to murder his family. Yeah. Um, both of them have a kid who has an imaginary friend who is not really an imaginary friend. Yeah, Jody seems to be like one of the kids that lived in the house. Jody is not one of the kids that live in the house. We oh, okay. see Jody at one point, and Jody is clearly a giant pig. I don't understand the significance of that because Jody, because what she, what the daughter says, Amy says about Jody, when she talks about the previous family, is she says Jody told her about the boy, the little boy who used to live in her room. Right. And he's dead, and Jody wants them all to play together. Um, forever. And then obviously, uh, with Danny in The Shining, you get him... Well, his imaginary friend is uh, Tony, who is apparently actually Danny from the future, communicating with his past self, which is a whole weird thing. Oh, we've explained the red rum thing from Wise Backwards. Yeah. <laughs> so his real name is... So his name is Danny Anthony... Um, I've forgotten their last name. Nick, no, I almost said Nicholson. That's not right. <laughs> Oh my god, what can I think of their name? Jack and Danny. Nope, I lost, I've lost it. I've lost their name. I knew it. It's gone. It's whoop, out of my head. Okay. Anyway, his middle name is Anthony, so the future version of himself is going by Tony. Right. Um, so he's communicating with his past self. And that's also, I guess, why he's able to give himself visions of things that are going to happen in his future. Um, but he also then sees the, the daughters of the previous guy who murdered his family, and they're Which like... Which doesn't make sense, because they like, look like twins, and they look like the same age and height, but it's, they're supposed to be like... They're supposed to be eight and ten years old. Yeah. And they're misconceived as twins. They cast a set of twins to play them. Yeah. The girls who... The actresses playing them are twins. Why would... If you don't want people to accidentally think your characters are twins, don't, don't cast twins yeah. to play them. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um... But yeah, but he sees them and they also are like, stay here with us, Danny, play with us forever. So they both have like a child who's in tune to what's going on and has an imaginary friend who isn't really an imaginary friend and has dead kids who want to play with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other similarities? There's a bunch, I feel like. I don't know. Um, I like both films. They're all right. <laughs> they're, they're, right. they're I not like no they're I do right. I love I love the cinematography of The Shining yeah I think The Shining is a fantastic example 
of how important having the right music is for your film. Yeah. Because that opening sequence is just like these stunning aerial tracking shots of like just beautiful countryside. Um, Sidewinder. What? It's the name of the road. Oh, okay. Um, and then just this most ominous, horrible music over it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so unsettling. Because you could just, if you didn't have music there or if you had different music, it's like, oh, this is just a family going on a road trip. This is really nice. Um, but it's like just so tense explicitly because of the music. And there's a lot of moments throughout the movie where that happens where it's like a relatively normal thing happening on screen. But the music is like, nope, this ain't normal. Yeah. Something's going on. Um, I think it's a great example of that. It's um, the one of the things that uh, Stephen King didn't like about the Jack Nicholson's portrayal is that uh, he seems crazy in the beginning of the movie before they're even living there. Yeah. Rewatching it now, I was just like, he's not crazy. He's being no. nervous in a job interview yeah. because his life is going down the friggin' toilet. Yeah, because I got that as well, because that, that was Stephen King's big criticism. Of yeah. It. And then, so I was watching it for that. Yeah, I was yeah like, exactly. He's, not. he's just a normal guy beforehand, and then he just snaps. And you can see it. You can see it as it goes on. Um, On, on that note, um, apparently Robert De Niro and Robin Williams are both considered for the role of Jack. Jack Torrance, there we go, that's the last name. I don't know why that was out of my head. Um, Robin Williams would have been fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so Stanley Kubrick watched Taxi Driver and decided that Robert De Niro, De Niro couldn't do psychotic well enough for the role. He didn't right. think he could be psychotic enough. And then he watched Robin Williams in Mork and Mindy. And he said, that man is too psychotic for this role. <laughs> <laughs> Other interesting thing is that um, Harrison Ford was considered for the role of Jack Torrance. That's weird. Because Star Wars had just come out and was very successful. And Harrison Ford was also considered for the role of George Lutz in the Amityville Horror. And... James Brolin was considered for the role of Jack Torrance. But then the Amityville Horror came out first and they were like, yeah, people are just going to compare these two films if we put James Brolin in as Jack Torrance. Which is interesting. Um, But yeah, I thought that was fun. Do you want to have a guess at the budgets and box offices for these films? Um, I'm assuming the Amityville Horror was cheaper. Yeah. Because uh, I know Stanley Kubrick liked to spend money. True. Um, I'm assuming The Shining made like shit tons. I'd say 170 and then made 500. And then. So wait, are you saying 170,000 or 170 million? 170 million for The Shining and then made 500. You think the budget was 170 million? Oh, sorry, I'm thinking in like this day and age. <laughs> no, <era>. no, no, no. <laughs> 1980. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Money doesn't mean anything anymore when it comes to movies. It's so terrible. Yeah. Here's a $500 million movie, and it's just garbage, and you're like, great. Um, how did it make a billion dollars? Um, I don't know. 20 makes 100. I'm going to go with 20 and makes 100. There you go. For The Shining? Yeah. Uh, 19 million budget made 47 million. Okay. And what do you think of the Amity of Horror? Seven and made 20. 
4.7 million budget and there was a made there. 86 million. What? It made almost twice as much as The Shining. It was a much more successful movie. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And what's really interesting about that is James Brolin, uh, because it was such a low budget, James Brolin said, I won't take a salary. Oh I'll God, take a percentage. Nice. <laughs> so he got $17 million. Jesus. And which adjusted for inflation is $64 million <laughs> in today's money. So James Brolin's like, oh, you've only got $4 million to make this movie. Don't worry, I'll just take a percentage of your profits. <laughs> and, like, and he ended up making like as much as The Shining cost. <laughs> it was like when, um, when the first Star Wars movie was a hit. Mm. And the, the studio was like, oh my god, we're rich. And it's like, um, you guys didn't read, the, all the executives are like, uh, we didn't read the contract. Why does George own all everything <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's like uh oh uh, this is a uh, uh, Boba Fett flavoured toothpaste it's very important to the plot <laughs> um I feel like I actually have covered most of the trivia I had as well to be honest um yeah I think we covered all the trivia I had pretty much um it was the scene towards the end of the film where, she, where Wendy's running up the stairs carrying the knife that they shot 35 times which was the equivalent of um, the Empire State Building. Oh, I did take down one extra note for both, um, which was how long the filming took, because I thought it was interesting because of how many re reshoots <laughs> and, and how many extra takes Sandy Kubrick made them do. Um, the Shining took 56 weeks to film. Jesus. And the Amityville Horror took seven weeks. You'd never, <laughs> you'd never get away with that these days. Yeah. Well, apparently the um the shot of the the blood in the elevator. Yeah. Um. So they only shot that three times, allegedly. Um. But it took so much setup that it took them almost a year to get three shots of it to do well, three takes. Because they didn't scale it. Yeah. And like the fact a that he, you human know, human being would be like, oh, let's make a scale mo like a, well, let's make a scale model, but it doesn't look real. So the response is, oh, we'll just fill a fucking entire elevator with fake blood. Yeah, and apparently every time they shot it, he was like, mm, it doesn't look like blood. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so but it sounds like, yeah, so apparently it only took three takes, but it took so long to set it up each time that it took about a year for them to get the shot right. It also doesn't make any sense. The it blood coming like, out of the elevator? It is an iconic scene from The Shining. Everybody knows that scene. Who's like in some sort of zeitgeist of, of horror movies yeah. or just pop? I mean, culture. we referenced it in our previous episode. Yeah, it makes no sense within the concept of what happened in the movie. Like, it's not yeah. like he drained. Well, he didn't have a big enough family to fill an entire elevator full of blood. But in the other movie, the Amityville Horror, the blood just drips out of the walls for no reason. These are just these are just buildings that bleed. They're just buildings that bleed for the dramatic effect of it. I do love that the that Danny, the kid who played Danny, whose name is also Danny, thought they were filming a drama. It was years later they showed him like a a really cut down version so he could see it was a horror, and then it was wasn't until he was eighteen that he actually saw the uncut version of it. 
weird drummer who just been like, you've got the shit in. Yeah, I just don't understand. I mean, there's definitely scenes where I'm like, yeah, cool. This is a drama. Yeah. I can understand. But like when he's walking around carrying a big knife going, red rum, red rum. <laughs> what did he think he was filming? Did he just think it was like a drama about a kid who you know, is a bit psychotic? Like... Um, Tony. Yeah, I get the imaginary friend, the little Tony finger thing that he was doing. Um, but there's like sequences, like even when he sees the twins, and I get that they wouldn't have shown him the twins at the time. Like, yeah. They would have filmed them separately. But like he's doing this like really shocked, scared face and covering his eyes. Like what did they tell him he was seeing? I don't... There's... Depends on what order <laughs> they made him film stuff in. Yeah, I suppose. Um... Interesting though. And I could have told him that like he was having a seizure or something, and that's why he was just like frothing in the mouth and contacting oh, yeah. Dick. Yeah, it's weird. Um, but then again, also you know at that age, you probably maybe aren't, aren't thinking too much outside, yeah, yeah. you know, into the big picture. The, and they're telling you they're filming a drama, so you're like, okay, I guess it's a drama. Yeah, he does a great job though. A really good child actor, in my yeah. opinion, and also adorable. He's so cute. <laughs> He's such a sweet little kid. Red rum. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on the internet in other places other than just inside your ears. Mm. Uh, we have our own website. It is ittakes2.co.nz. We don't use Twitter anymore because Elon Musk is crazy. Um, Twitter doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It's X now. No, it's still Twitter. Um, <laughs> The uh, disc- in, in the footnotes, there'll be a link to our Discord, which, you know, I encourage you to join mm-hmm. because we have, ep- there's, feel free to join the episode discussion there. Yeah, episode discussion, we've got a memes channel, we've got a TV film channel if you want to go talk about what you're watching at the moment, yeah. what your favourite films are. Um, yeah. A lot of fun. Feel free to review us if your platform you're currently listening to allows you to do that. Even uh, rate us if it's one that allows ratings but not reviews, such as Spotify. Right. Though Spotify now lets you do a and a so you can answer and tell us what you liked about this episode. Interesting. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. The default is just like, what did you what did you like about this episode? <laughs> Mostly I leave it at the defaults because I don't know what other questions to ask. Um... But you can let us know if you're a Spotify listener what you enjoyed most about this episode. And we can like pin your response so that other people who are considering listening to it will go, Oh, I'll like this episode. Talk about an elevator full of blood. They love talking about bloody elevators. Yeah. It's my favourite topic. <laughs> I'm an expert. <laughs> I'm the bloody elevator expert. I'm the guy who's afraid of flies. <laughs> Alright, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll catch you why are we doing this backwards i don't know it's for spooky reason we'll catch you oh yeah have a good have a good halloween we'll catch you next time Bye. bye